0: Hey there, and welcome to our podcast. And thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we wanna remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Exodus chapter 8, let's be finding our place there tonight. Exodus chapter 8, we uh, looked in verses 1 through verse 15 uh, last Sunday night, and uh, we talked about uh, God's sovereignty and man's prayers. And uh, I'm, you know, that was such a comforting message for, for my own self. Um, how God's sovereign will works in through the prayers of God's people. Don't ask me how that works. I don't know how it works. To me, in my logical mind, it don't make sense. But it makes sense in the mind of God. And that's how He works these things out. And so, wonderful truth. Don't, know how, don't have to know how it works, but it is a truth. And so, we all have a purpose in the midst of God's sovereign will, and um, as he knows the end from the beginning, and that's the God I belong to, amen, that's comforting, so uh, tonight we're going to worship him um, in truth tonight, looking at God's word, and so Exodus chapter 8 and uh, verse 16, we're going to read several verses, we we have some time to do that, and so uh, follow along with Verse sixteen, and we will read through the chapter. So sixteen verses, all right. Sixteen through verse thirty-two, and we're gonna be looking at a thought tonight entitled "Boundaries for Worship." The boundaries for worship, all right. So Exodus eight and verse sixteen. What we're seeing here is we're entering into this plague of lies, all right, and then we'll also talk about the plague of flies. Okay, so let's pick up in verse 16. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice uh, throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Uh, Then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water. And saying to him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But as we also learn, this is worship. Service and worship are all collectively together, okay? So they may serve, worship, me. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee. And upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy houses, and the houses of the Egyptians, shall be full of swarms of flies. And also the ground whereon they are. And I will sever in that land, the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people tomorrow shall this sign be. Lord did so and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarms of flies. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, He does not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall they sacrifice the abominations of the Egyptians before their eyes? And will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only ye shall not go very far. Entreat for me. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore, and not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated, or in other words, prayed, the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, From his servants and from his people, there remained not one. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Let's pray. Father, we have read many verses tonight. I'm not endeavoring to exhaustively preach them if I could. I know I can't, but Lord, I I want to bring uh, some practical truths Before your people tonight, and uh, that's the purpose of all preaching, is to bring application uh, from your word in view of a relationship with Christ. That that we all see Christ in the gospel clearly in every message. So Father, I desperately need your help. I desperately need to see what you've shown me in my study. Help me, Lord, only say what you would have to be said tonight. Father, as I've said many times, and I mean this when I pray it, I know I'm a dying man preaching to dying people. And Father, we need to embrace the truth of your word. Father, every, every admonishment that you give us, I pray tonight that we will not be lazy with your word. Pray, Father, that we've come because we love what your word says, because they're your words. Father, we're here tonight, I pray we're here tonight because we love serving and worshiping you in spirit and in truth and a heart of obedience. So, Father, guide me and I I pray, Father, that that our minds aren't distracted. I pray, Father, that you help us keep our hearts and minds centered and on point to how the Spirit leads us. And tonight, each one, each heart tonight is responsible for their own obedience and I pray that they would be willing as the Spirit speaks to them through your word. And I pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, the, the, the battle's continuing uh, here in this, in this passage. Uh, we have learned that we're stepping in to the third and fourth plague tonight. You know, we we had the, the plague of the water turned into blood uh, there in Egypt. We saw the plague of the frogs, which is very eventful and colorful. God speaks in color, amen. I mean, He speaks very loudly and colorfully in, in, the, in His Word. And tonight, we find all, all through this, Pharaoh has continued to harden his heart. And the plagues were given as a purpose for, Her- for Pharaoh to harden his heart. God knew that one that is a depraved sinner, the only response they can give Uh, to God is essentially a hardening in their own heart. Uh, We see that response of his own nature. The Bible says God must draw you to himself to you to believe. And here we find Pharaoh is a lost man. And uh, his natural response as a lost, spiritually dead man is to oppose God. And that's exactly what's happening even tonight. You're going to see it again. The very last verse said, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And so we find that's happening again. Now, what I want us to see tonight, I guess the big picture of this, is understanding the boundaries for worship. Um, God, What God is doing here in these plagues is really two things. And I don't mean to be on repeat, but we need to keep it in front of us. One is this, proving to all of Egypt that God is sovereignly supreme in the land. We know Egypt is full of idolatry, Right? Uh, Not only the Egyptians, but God's people were, I think, even beginning accepting the idolatry worship. You know, if you're around something very long, you begin to look like it, smell like it, and act like it. And so, uh, it's reason to believe there's not only Egypt in the Egyptians, but there's some Egypt in the Israelites as well. And so, God is proving to all of Egypt, God is sovereignly supreme over the land. And then secondly, He wants to move His people... To a land or to a boundary, a place where proper worship can be done. And Let me just say this tonight. There is a proper place for your heart to be or a proper posture of your heart and mind in order to worship God in the way He accepts. Amen? Are you with me? Are you with me? Amen. So there are boundaries for our life, boundaries for our heart, boundaries for our... For God to be praised and worshipped the way He He receives that glorifies Him. Because remember, please remember this: life is not about you. Life is about glorifying God. Amen. It's all about Him, and we have the pleasure to be in that, to be in existence and 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 serve Him and worship Him and give Him honor that He deserves. So the question that I want to leave with you or begin this and also leave with you tonight is this. What surrounds your life right now? What have you allowed to be in your life right now? And those things that you have allowed to be in the boundaries of your life, does it, does it allow you to be in a place where God is with your worship? In your life, um, in a sense, maybe where you work. Where you go to school, what you watch, what you listen to, where you vacation to, people you associate with. You're allowing things to the boundaries of your life. And those things affect you. Those things can change your heart, reposition you in a place where God doesn't accept your worship. Amen. Um, You know, Solomon said, David, Lord, renew me, right? The, The joy of my salvation. You tell the church of Ephesus, you've lost your first love. The church of Laodicea become a lukewarm church. And so we can understand individually and corporately, we better, we, we better watch what crosses the boundaries into our life. As a church, we better watch and be very vibrant. You know, as, as Peter told uh, Peter and John, John, you watch and pray with me. All right? Make yourself ready and to what crosses the boundaries into our church. Mom and dad, Watch the boundaries that come into your home. What's coming into your home? Grandma, grandma. I mean, it covers everybody tonight. So the boundaries for worship. All right? So be thinking about what you're allowing in the boundaries of your life and how that affects your worship. All right? Would you all agree that God has a standard for everything? Sure He does. He's God. He has every right to have a standard. And I'm thankful that I know His standards. And not only his standards, but I'm glad tonight that I am equipped with the ability to live in those standards for His glory. Amen? So don't leave here and say, no, that's just a too high of a standard to live. Yes, it is if you try to live it on your own strength and your own determination. But my dear friends, when you trusted Christ as Savior, you've been given the Spirit of God in the abilities of His graces that we learned this morning to live in the standards God is set for His own glory, His own purposes. And so tonight, God has standards for worship. And we're going to see that play out. All right. So a, a couple things tonight that I want you to see. Actually, just two things. Uh, so if you're taking notes, first of all, I want you to see this. We see the boundaries of the plagues. The boundaries of the plagues. So in looking at, we're first going to see this, the land and the people. The land and the people. The boundaries of the plagues and looking at the boundaries in the land and of the people in those plagues. All right, So if you look with me, if you will please, um, in verse 17, we're introduced to this next plague. And uh, it's one you all would love uh, to probably bask in. Uh, You'd probably enjoy this. I highly doubt it. Uh, It gives me the creep, Sister Arb. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, but we find here that Aaron stretched out his hand with, uh, with the rod and smoked the dust of the earth and became lice uh, upon all men and upon all beasts. I'll say this, you can go and you can look at the, uh, the, the Hebrew word for this. It can also mean gnats or mosquitoes. It doesn't get any better in any of those descriptions. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, but as you look at the root word of that, it, it, it means to cover or nip or pinch. And so, really, this I think is probably the better rendering of what it was because them things bite you, right? I mean, if you ever had lice or not, but they're not friendly. I wouldn't like gnats or mosquitoes. I hate mosquitoes. I, 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 I'll just give a little bit of humor tonight. I think when man fails, hell to torment men. I just, I really hate mosquitoes. But uh, anyway, there's not going to be any mosquitoes in heaven, right? I'll amen it all day long Or gnats Uh, But anyway God we find here brought a plague Of lies Now notice this Notice this I want you to pay attention to how God Is overpowering The the gods of Egypt Right Uh, The the, the land god The different gods That they serve This is also an attack on those That's what God's doing God took all the dust, and I think by the word all, it's meaning comprehensively the dust that covers the entire land of Egypt, all right, from border to border, the boundaries of Egypt, all right, we find God took that dust and created lies, imagine that. I mean and, and, and you find you find the description throughout all of the land of Egypt and all all the dust and, and we find here what God is trying to do all of Egypt. why all of Egypt? Why all of Egypt? Because God is wanting to for all of Egypt to see who he is. You may say, God I mean God for doing this. No, God is really a gracious God and using the means that He He can use and the abilities that He has to let people see Him. My dear goodness, if it takes lies, then he's going to bring lies. amen? And so that's what God did through Aaron, all dust. and imagine how thick things were. The dust. Let me give you some perspective. Remember, when did he tell Abraham that your, your your lineage, your descendants would be like the stars of the sky and the dust, right or the sands of the sea? I mean, how great that was now here it's that it's of that magnitude. God is trying to let them see I'm bigger than your your land god, I'm bigger than the gods you serve. And God is also reminding us tonight that God is supreme over everything, even the dust of the ground. You may think God is not supreme or sovereign over, over the little things. Yes, at all. What did we sing this morning? This is my Father's world. Everything is at His command. Even the rocks. The Bible says in the Testament that they, He can get the rocks to praise Him. Right? I mean, He, he can get creation to worship Him. And so that, that's who God is. Alright? So all the dust God used and He created lice and it consumed the land of Egypt. Now I want you to see this in verse eighteen. Notice this. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they what? Could not. They could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast, and so this plague was over all the people and all the beast. Okay, that's that's who is affecting this. So this particular right here was affecting Egyptians. And you also see affecting even the Israelites. Now, remember what I said earlier. God is trying to get Egypt out of all of them. All right, And he's battling the Egyptian gods. Now, you're going to find that's going to change in just a little bit. But here, this is covering everyone here in the boundaries of Egypt. Now, what you're going to find, basically what I want you to find is this, is that we see the God of the plague. The God of the plague. Now, all up till now, you'll find Pharaoh would get his uh, magicians, right? His sorcerers. And Pharaoh's objective was this, was to mock God. That's what man wants to do. Man doesn't want to, by his own nature, to receive God or accept God as who he is. That is the depraved, dead nature of man. He wants nothing to do with God, all right? Unless God takes that stony heart out and puts a heart of flesh in. Man does not want. Pharaoh did not. The Egyptians did not want it. And so, what you find here, the Egyptian, the magicians come on the scene. And what do they try to do? They try to repeat the plague, right, by some kind of magic or, or whatever it, it maybe it was, sorcery. Now they were successful a couple times, right, a few times. Uh, Aaron threw down his rod, it was a serpent the, other, the others threw down all of theirs, they become serpents But the serpent that was changed from Aaron's rod ate the others I'd love to see the look on their face when that happened, I really would God has a sense of humor too And then you find that God uh, changed the water into blood They were able to reduce that You find that um, the frogs came along they reproduced that only just to make more flaw, more problem for themselves, more frogs. They couldn't reverse it, but they could add to it, which was really dumb. <laughs> so, And I mentioned men loves to duplicate the problem. You know, and so we see all that happening here. They tried to come, and they couldn't even reproduce this one. So here what here is what God is doing. I own the plague. You can't even reproduce it. God is Slowly, slowly, slowly weeding out man's abilities. He is slowly and slowly revealing to them that the God they serve and that they call on to do their sorcery, they're nothing compared to God. And so the magicians failed at what they were trying to do. Not anymore can they... You see, God has a way of weeding out the fakes and the phonies. Amen? But the fakes and the phonies in religious circles they look very similar. But folks, I don't want something similar to God. I want I want who God is. I want the things of God. And sometimes can get confused of what is God and what's just similar to God. We're not about the similarity things to God. We want to be about the things of the one true living God. Showing here they cannot even produce it, reproduce it at Oh, the God of the plague. Now, notice this. Notice this. The very ones that Pharaoh sought for counsel. The very ones that Pharaoh sought to have ammunition to fire back at God's power and mock God comes to Pharaoh, and notice the change of speech in verse 19. And the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. Well, guess what? Pharaoh didn't like that, and he hardened his heart. They're advising Pharaoh, listen, the finger of God is more powerful than all of the gods of Egypt put together. But let me just correct a little bit of their thinking. This wasn't the finger of God, this was the outstretched arm of God. This was the wrathful hand of God. All right? And so, but they were beginning to see who this plague belonged to. All right? It did not belong to uh, the magicians, but it belonged to God. And so the God of the plague. Um, tonight, when I, th- when I think about this, it's because everything that happens is in God's hands. Right? Does that mean God creates evil? No, He doesn't create evil, but He, can- he overpowers evil. Uh, man creates the depravity, and God can channel that where He wants to for His purposes. He did that through the Old Testament. He used m- wicked men to bring judgment on disobedient the disobedient children of His to bring them holiness and righteous living for Him. And God can God that is God's power. He is supreme he comforts us. And so the plague was in God's hand, and I'm thankful, Brother Hopper, that when a storm comes through, whether it's a flood or a tornado or a hellstorm, storm, it's, it's not in the hand, it's not in anyone else's hand tonight, but it's in the hands of God and so therefore that tells me, God's in control and God has, has purpose for everything, God works all things out for good, the counsel of his own will, and God doesn't waste anything, and God's going to use it for his glory and for my good, and so that's a wonderful thing, even a plague that's in God's hand that's, the plague may not be fun to go through, but it's in the hands of God, a God that loves you and wants you to conform to him, prepare you for judgment. So the God of the plague, that's the God of heaven. And then, and then one other thing is this. We see the restriction of the next plague. So the lice is crawling all over everybody. You take the I don't know the, 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 the square miles of Egypt. I didn't take time to look up that. And, and, and how many, maybe, lice it could have been. I don't, it's just innumerable. And that was covering everybody. Just, just let that sink in. Uh, that just gives me the creeps. But it doesn't get any better. All right? So here comes this next plague. But some things are going to change. We see the restrictions of the plague. So he says here, all right? Uh, he said, Rise up early. All right? He said, I want you to, I want you to meet Pharaoh down by the river. He said, let my people go. He said, if you don't, in verse 21, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants, upon thy people, thy houses, houses of Egypt, shall be full of swarms of flies. Same magnitude. Uh, as, as many flies as there were lies. Alright? And also the ground, whereon they are. So it's covering the ground they're walking on. It is covering their bodies. It's covering their houses. I mean, this is a horror movie, you know, one that you've seen. I mean, give you the creeps and you have nightmares about. In a sense, but but that happening. Um, one person uh, uh, described their journey or their experience in Egypt, and they and they stood off and they thought the, they thought the land was sort of moving, but I can't remember what kind of beetle it was. But they were it was the ground was covered with these beetles and they were moving. And it looked like the ground was moving. And it said those, I think it was, it was a, a small kind of tick that was there. And it wasn't just on the ground, but there were thousands crawling up his legs. He said, I was running, swatting, and shaking my legs, trying to get them off of me. But he said, it reminded me of this very moment. It covered the land. It looked like the land was moving. And it was covering people, too. But I want you to notice something here the restrictions of the plague, really speaking back to letter B as well. Um, notice what he says in verse 22 and 23. He says, You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a distinction. I'm going to divide where this plague goes. All right? Remember, we're, we're still talking about the boundaries of the plagues. All right? So before the lice was covering all of Egypt, the Egyptians. The Israelites, but now the flies are only going to impact those outside of the land of Goshen. What's what's significant about Goshen? Well, Pharaoh gave Joseph and his descendants this piece of land, the land of Goshen. And that's where the Israelites were. And so God said, I've got the power and control. The flies are not going to come to Goshen where my people are, but they're going to come to your people. All right? And so the, the restrictions of the, of the plague. And so what we're finding here is that he is revealing to them that I'm going to show you the people that serve the real God. And I have the power. I am the God that controls the dust. I am the God that controls. The lice. I am the God that controls the flies. I give them the flight pattern Of where I want them to be. You see, here's the thing about the Egyptians: when they worshipped, they were neat freaks. I mean, they bathed and they cut their hair, and they did not want any kind of contamination on them at all to worship their uh, false dead gods. You know what God did? I'm not going to let. You. I'm going. I'm not going to allow you to be able to clean yourself up. Amen. That's exactly what he was doing. I mean, they could wipe off an arm and, and they would just come back on the arm. I mean, just imagine that. terrific And so they could never come to the place in their tradition to worship their uh, false gods because God said, no, the only God that really deserves worship is me. You know, God many times is, bad, is, is, is trying to remind your heart as well of who deserves your worship. Right? Many times Christians do the very same thing. Um, they will begin to worship things other than God. And what do you mean by worship? I'm not bowing down. I'm not burning sacrifices. I'm not doing that to anything else. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. That's. I mean, I'm not doing that. But worshiping worshiping something else over God is just putting something one step above God. That's worship. That, that's putting. That's idolatry. Idolatry, in its simple definition, is putting something above. God. Something is prioritized greater than God. And so God may very well, even in your life, and maybe He has brought something. It may not have been lice and flies. He was a little more gracious with you than He was with, with Egypt. But He allowed something to come into your life to just shake your heart a little bit and remind you of where your worship belonged. That you allowed something in the boundaries of your life and heart that now you're worshiping maybe the blessing and not the blesser. Maybe you're worshiping the things you have So the one who gave you the things that you have. Uh, there, is, there is a swap. Uh, and you need to get back to worshiping the Lord. And I'm thankful that God redirects my heart when it needs redirection. Amen? Because God knows good and well the judgment day that I'm going to face. And I want to stand before the Lord with a heart that worshiped God 100%. But I can't do that without the help of God. Amen. Egypt would never see God at all if it wasn't for God doing what he was doing. Israelite would never get to the promised land if it wasn't for God doing what he was doing with these plagues. But you find God shifted the plague away from his people. And as I've said, this is a comforting thing. And let me just give you something, a thought or two. Nothing that may afflict you today. Maybe you're going through an affliction. Maybe you're going through an ailment. Or an ailment. None of that takes God by Amen? No storm, no sickness, no poverty. Nothing that you may go through takes God by surprise. He is in complete control of all things. And I'm thankful for that. As God's people, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed-begging bread. He always brings enough to my life. Why? Because He owns the enough. And He gives me enough comforting thing about God you see sometimes people like to strip God of his sovereignty in scripture but what you do when you strip God of his sovereignty you strip yourself of the comforting hope you have in God Because when you begin to say God is not sovereign, you're beginning to describe a God that isn't the same yesterday and today and forever. You're beginning to describe a God that goes back on His word, or He lies, or He can deny Himself. You're describing a God that's not a God of peace that passeth all understanding. God is a sovereign God. When I got saved, He sovereignly rules over my faith, on my faith, and my faith is secure. Nothing can touch that. The Bible says nothing can and the love of God. Amen? He, is, he has saved me and settled me. If he was not sovereign, I could not have security. And so, my dear friends, we need to get back to having a higher view of God than, than a higher view of man. Amen? There's religious circles today that has a great higher view of man than they do of God. They begin to think that man uh, has a higher position over God that they can remove God's securing grace on their life. They don't understand the God that saved them. I encourage them to go back to their Bible and study a little bit more. God is far greater than I am. And my salvation is settled in Him. Not in me, but in Him. These plagues, all that was going on was in God's hands. The boundaries were set by God for His purposes. And God, does not, God knows exactly who He is. He knows exactly who he is, and he knows exactly who his are. Remember what he said? He said, I'm not gonna let the flies go to my people. And what that tells me? God knows who his people are. Can I get an amen on that? Would you love to serve a God that, that suffered from amnesia every day? But we don't. He doesn't forget. He does, he, he knows his own, he remembers his own. By way by of illustration, about property lines here. You ever had somebody argue lines? Sure. Maybe you've had some dispute with somebody over property lines. So in a dispute, because one person said the property line's here, and one says it's two inches over here. So there, there's your dispute, right? And it could go a little way or you know one way or the other. Or much the dispute's over. There's no dispute in. in person of God, in, in, in the Trinity of God, who belongs to Him. He knows who His people are. And that is that is a beautiful picture here. My people want to be affected by the flies, but the Egyptians, your people, your people will. What a comforting thought. God knows His people. Secondly and lastly, what I want you to see here is this. Why is all this happening? Why is all this happening? This boundary of the of the plagues, why is God doing all this? Why? Because Secondly, and lastly, we see the boundaries for worship because we're building here once again to this ultimatum. All right? And so, what we find here, lastly, the boundaries for worship, we see Pharaoh's restrictions. Pharaoh's restrictions. And so, you find here, as you go on down a little bit further in verse 25, now notice this. And Pharaoh called for Moses. And he's saying, go sacrifice uh, to your God in the land. Well, that sounds great, don't it? Go sacrifice to your God in the land. What does he mean, in the land? I want you to stay in the borders of Egypt, is what he's saying. Go worship in the land. You know, um, Christians like to this compromise as well um, what's the problem with being in the land well, in the land is where the idolatry that god is fighting against uh, the land of egypt is the very land of which they cannot worship god purely the way that god accepts. the idolatry is all around them they're not in the right place for worship but pharaoh says i'll let you worship but i want you to be right here where all the idol- idolatry still is okay Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through verse 17. But I want to give you, um, I want you to just listen to these verses. I don't have time to turn there, but listen. Actually, I want to read you um, verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. The Lord and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And so the world, A.K.A. Pharaoh, says, "I'll let you. I'll put a restriction on how you worship." Is this getting close to home just a little bit? Just, just didn't know if that was a flavor you're catching on there. Just just a tad bit. You worship this way, okay? But you'll find many Christians like to do this. You know, I want to worship broad mind, not a narrow mind. I'll, I'll I'll worship, but I'll, I'll live a life for God, but a life that doesn't have a lot of change for God. Christians do that. Uh, we see some, even, even tonight, some willing to, to live and change for God, some not so much. Uh, we see that in Christendom all the time. And so be broad-minded and instead of, or broad living instead of narrow living for the Lord. Uh, and he also said, he said, listen, we can't do this because the answer of which we're going to sacrifice to God they're holy to the Egyptians and they'll stone us to death we cannot worship God in this boundary but there is a boundary we can worship God it's the boundary that God said for us to go to so here's the thing God has a place for your heart to be for worship God has a place for physically to be for corporate worship of our life, so we can worship God the way he wants us to. Here's the thing, friend. The devil will persuade you, yes, you can worship God, but why don't you just lower the fence down on the west side of your, uh, of your property and let some things in there. God will never see it, and he'll receive your worship. You see, there needs to be a low tolerance for anything else in your life other than God. Amen? We, have a need to, we need to have a no tolerance for self-worship or idolatry at all. We need to be someone that actually is in the place where our heart can worship. Let me just tell you something. If you've got unconfessed sin in your life, you're not in the right boundary for worship. If, if you have got a, you know, something, a quarrel with a church member, or if you've got a, a, an unforgiveness in your heart, you're not ready for worship. If, if you're having an argument with your spouse and it is not being settled between you, your heart's not ready for worship. And so that's what I'm getting at tonight. You got to get out of that land and get into a land that God receives worship from. Are you with me? I'm trying to close. I'm really trying to get there. Alright? And so we need to understand that our life is by faith in Christ works. So that life for Christ is a life that can't. Worship God. Showing change in my life. It should be evident. Now notice this. He goes a little bit further. And he says, um, You can go outside, but you'll notice that uh, you read a little bit further. uh, Don't go too far. In verse 28, Only ye shall not go very far away. So what's he saying? He's like, you can go outside of the boundaries of Egypt, but I want you to go to a place where you can still see Egypt. I want you to, I, I'll let you go out there, but I want you to be able to keep your, your, the things your flesh likes still in view. I want you to sort of, you know, sort of. You remember what Lot did? All he had to do was put Sodom in his view. Then he set his tent. In view of it, and then you find him in the heart of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's right in there in the city of sin. So I'm telling you, if you're wanting to worship God with the right heart and right life, you cannot position your heart where you can easily see the sins that easily beset you. You need to, by the power of the Spirit, separate your life so you can worship God rightly. Amen. You don't. You don't have, just don't go very far. Just make sure you can see. What your flesh likes. But the only way my worship can be received by God is if my heart, the center, what, what my heart is centered on is God. The boundaries of my heart must be centered on the things of God. The boundaries of my mind must be centered on the things of God. You see, when I was a, when I was a younger boy, and I'm getting, I'm getting ready to close, but I want to give you a couple of illustrations here. When I was in grade school and middle school, I could not (laughs) at all do my homework and and concentrate in the same room as the television. I couldn't do it, Brother Hopper. I mean, and my my mom would watch me like a hawk. I'm like, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. And so you got the kitchen, open floor plan, kitchen, living room, TV's right there. and, And I would do my homework, but I would start to... Thinking she didn't see that. Now we're talking about God here. He knows what you're looking at in your peripheral vision. All right? So you're not fooling God. So mom would eventually hit the power button. No, 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 no. I promise. Just turn it back on. I I was so foolish, I couldn't do it. Now, even today, when I'm studying, when I'm trying to study, when I'm trying to concentrate, when I listen to music, I like listening to music to concentrate. But if I've got music that has lyrics in it, Brother Dares, I find myself singing with it. And if I'm singing with it, I'm not focused on what I'm doing at all. I'm telling you, I am weak. I can't have lyrics, I can't have pictures in front of me, I can have just instrumental music, and I'm fine there. But folks, we need to know how weak we are you really think you're really that prideful, you really think you're that strong to say, I can sit here, look at what my, my flesh likes that sin, and still keep my heart completely focused on the Lord. You can't do it. God says, get out of land, get away from the land where you can't even see it, and worship me where you'll worship me in spirit and in truth. Christians must do that today. Every day it's going to be a fight for you. But it's a fight worth fighting. Because it pleases your Savior. He is worthy to be be praised. No tolerance. Only you shall not go very far. But though God says you go as far as I tell you to go. Because there is where I love your worship. So tonight let me ask you this. As I started tonight. What are you allowing in the boundaries of your life? What have you allowed in the boundaries of your heart? In your mind, are those things helping you worship God? It it could yeah, it could be it could be some kind of a pleasure that you're allowing to come into your life. You could just have unforgiveness and bitterness in your life. None of those things postures a heart to worship. None of those things. Only a heart centered on God. So, my dear Christians, maybe tonight you need to build some better fences. And you can only do it by the power of the Spirit on your knees, praying, God, strengthen the borders of my heart. God, strengthen the borders of my mind. God, strengthen the borders. Lord, help me not to be with people that's going to contaminate my heart. Help me to know if I'm in the right place of occupation. Lord, help me to know if I'm in the right school, if I'm in the right neighborhood where I live. God, put me where I can worship. Only God can do it. So Christians need to be crying out to God tonight. God, if there's any place that I'm at where it's easy to be more distracted than focused on you. God, show me where I need to move from. Show me where I need to move to. And I pray that you'll pray that tonight, either in your pew or on this altar. God, I want to be in the right boundary for worship because you loved me first. And allowed me to have a way out of hell and damnation after this life's over. So tonight, how serious are you about your worship? Are you serious enough to say, God, show me? God, show me, lead me, and help me build the right boundaries in my life. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed every eye closed. We're going to ask Sister Arb to come. And Brother Hopper, if you'll come, prepare for a song. I don't know what's in your heart Tonight, But I'm not foolish enough to think that there's not some things that you've opened the gate and allowed into the pasture of your heart. Uh, I'm not too naive to think that there's not a fence down somewhere. That you need to go and, 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 and God show you where you need to do some fencing. Because the devil will tonight very easily bring things across the border into your life. And it will not please God at all. And tonight I pray... That you'll just see, God, God, show me, help me to see if my borders are where they need to be so you can be where you need to be in my life. Father, we thank you tonight. Um, Father, I pray you use this message in a way that helps your people. And I pray tonight that each one will take a good look. Maybe they already have. Maybe they need to be better equipped tonight to leave some areas, some places. I don't know what it may be, but there needs to be a change so they can worship in a way that pleases you. Help them, Lord, to see that and act on it. In Christ's name, amen.